This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation, how are you doing this merry festive season? I am Miranda, and I am here for a special holiday edition of Bells with Books. Of course, I am not alone. I am with Bianca. Hello! Hello! You are staying true to your word. You told me, I think two, three episodes ago, I'm just going to start saying hello like Mrs. Doubtfire every time, and you are sticking to it. It's my thing now. You're sticking to your word, so... Um, we are, so this is our monthly episode, but it's a special holiday edition because we're going to change things up just a little bit. We did not read a specific book this, um, month to either separately or together to discuss. We're going to just talk to you about the year and our books that we've read. And even though it's not been a year of us doing this podcast, it's still um, a main point. We talk about our goals. Um, so we're just gonna like break all those things down for you. We're just gonna be chit chatting, so join us in our chit chat. Yeah, basically a chit chat on uh, what we've read, what we liked, what we didn't like, some new book news or update actually to some book news we brought you before. All those fun things. So, yeah. Uh, since there has been an update to a story, what was it? Two episodes ago. So in our October edition, I think it was, we had a conversation about um, basically about communication and the, that ended up being the theme for that entire episode, basically communication and communication being key. Um, but we talked briefly about the Colleen Hoover sitch that kind of happened and blew up like right before we had started recording that episode. Um, and there's been a, a little bit of a, like a development, like other, uh, well, update development, but at the same time, like not really more of just like Colleen chose to address the situation, right? Yeah, it finally got, so Colleen is a mostly private person and she yes. typically doesn't address things like that, but it got so big to the point where Colleen just couldn't not say anything because not saying th- anything was making it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually, I looked at the date she posted this November 18th. So it was like literally just after we had recorded our November one. Otherwise, it would have been included in our November episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, she opens up in her Facebook post. She posted this in her group cohorts. So if, if anyone else listening is a part of that group, you can go in there and you can find it. Just type in Colleen Hoover's name in the search bar and it'll come up. Um, I'm just gonna, I'll read a little bit of it, like word for word, and then I'll try to sum up a little bit, because it goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, she, she, right, when she does things like that, when she brings explanations to the table, usually it's about, like, movie adaptations or things like that. She, like, goes into detail and she explains it all, so it, it it is kind of long. But Well, I think in this instance she needed to, because there were... So many things taken out of context or twisted, and she needed yeah. to set the record straight for not just for herself, but for people who support her. Like, but I hate that she had to. If that makes yeah, sense. but I mean, to be fair, if if you're living in the public eye and you are making your living being in the public eye and mm-hmm. having a fan base, you need to 
hold yourself to higher standards, unfortunately. Yeah. But she does a really good job of doing that. She very, she actually does. But like you said, she's, she's typically a private person. And like, if you're in her Facebook uh, group or if you like, she shares her life, but. On her terms. On Yes. On her terms. And I think her responding to the said situation was also on her terms. And I think that is what holds her to a, like, I, I feel like uh, she is like a higher class of person if that makes sense because of how she addresses things like she didn't come out snarky but she didn't like brush it away either like yeah. I thought she was very tasteful about how she addressed everything yeah um I'm gonna skip over the first part of it just because she just is kind of talking but she goes on to say I'm not one to address rumors but they're getting out of hand you guys, us cohorts, that's what she means, have always mm-hmm. been so supportive in here. So I feel like I should clarify a couple of things within this group so that you aren't feeling like I'm ignoring you after all the support you've shown me in the last decade. And that, I think, speaks volumes of how she views us. Like, she actually mm-hmm. values our opinions on things. Right. Um, let's see. Things are being said about my sons that aren't accurate. People are commenting that I blocked a girl for informing me that my son sexually assaulted her when she was 16. This absolutely did not happen, and this is not even what was initially said by that person. And then here's where she goes into the actual explanation. Mm -hmm. My son and a girl were online friends for several months. They never met in person. He said something to her in a message that made her uncomfortable. He asked her to send him a picture. So she messaged me about it. I did not read the message, but she thought I did, and it understandably upset her that I didn't respond. She then posted on Twitter that my son asked her for a picture. As soon as I found out about this months ago, I reached out to her. We discussed what happened. I apologized to her and thanked her for bringing it to my attention, and I offered to send her our home address and lawyer information should she want it. I held my son accountable for sending a message to her that was inappropriate. I addressed it directly with her and directly with my son. I didn't address it publicly because, one, I feel it's not my place to talk about someone else's experience. And two, everyone who knows me here has seen me parent these boys and hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. I'm sad this happened. You guys know I've tried my best to raise my children with respect and to show respect. I'm going to stop right there for a second. We can discuss that one little part. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with my husband in regards to something uh, a far worse incident but like there's something that happened in my hometown or oh, this past week um that I won't go into but uh like I vaguely know the kids parents like I kind of sort of they were in a different grade with than me or whatever um that the kid did something horrific um and we were talking about like all the people on social media immediately were going like I bet if they dug into his home life and I think that's really crappy to say because sometimes you are a product of your environment and sometimes you're not. Sometimes the parent did a very good job. And I know I'm not in her home. I'm not a fly on the wall. And I know social media, you only see a snippet of people's lives. But like you and I even met her in person briefly. And she acted the same way with her son when he because he was there with her, one of them. We don't know which one it was. I'm assuming we can guess which one this is in regards to, but it doesn't matter. Um, 
and just to watch how she like raises them on social media and then how she was with him in person. And then like, I am also friends with one of her sisters. Um, um, because I am a client of hers and it seems to me like people can't point the fingers and say, you're a bad parent. You're the reason he did this. No, no. And he was raised well, and he seems like a very good person. It seems like he made, I'm not making excuses. What he did was wrong, but it seems like he made a bad judgment call and he made a choice, not her, not his, not the parent. He made a choice as an individual who was growing up and and deciding right from wrong, and he made a bad decision. So I think people calling her out for something he did is not right because it's not always a product of your environment. It's not always like, well, their parents didn't teach them right. I don't I don't know if you would agree with what everything I just said, but like that's where I stand. Well, and I'm not I'm not saying that what he did was in any way right, just like you said. But the story was also twisted that he had sexually assaulted her. And that is not at all what happened. Right. He asked for a picture. Now, he crossed he, the line. Absolutely. Yes, it was definitely a line cross that shouldn't have been crossed. Exactly. But the story was also conflated to be much, much worse than it actually was. And I wonder where that came from. Like, I do wonder. Again, this is a whole, like, communication thing. Um, and how, like, the downside of being famous, the downside of social media is that someone somewhere along the way took what actually happened and and made it into this event that could have hurt and damaged this young lady and him horribly. Um, and I don't like that. I, I understand he should he should have, there should be consequences to his actions, right? Yeah, uh, definitely Colleen sitting him down and saying, I, I raised you better. Like, what made you do this? Like, why would you do this? Um, and it sounds like the young lady didn't res- didn't respond, or if she did, she was like, "That's not d- no, right?" Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like she sent a, a photo. Um, and I'm. It just says we're at for a photo. I think we're all old enough to here to know what he was asking for. Yeah. Like some of some sin, nudity of some sort, right? Most likely young teenage boy, it was boobs. Like, let's just be honest. Like, <laughs> it's probably like, let me see your boobs. Like, I'm just saying. And did it cross a line? Absolutely. Would I be livid and like disciplining my child if mine did that? Which is, that's a hard comparison for me because my kid has no interest in dating or, or girls or any of that right now. But regardless of that fact, like, uh, I understand, like, disciplining him it was a line crossed and I agree with you it was not okay but it is a huge jump from I asked her for a boob pic to he she was sexually assaulted yeah well and there's more fallout um I'll continue the rest because now this is also affecting fans because like I said Colleen in the past has been very open with her fans Mm -hmm. she posts regularly on Instagram and Facebook like we feel mm-hmm. like we're friends. Like that's how. Yeah, when we met, is. when we met her, it felt like we kind of already knew her to some extent because she does share um, her life pretty closely. But like you said, at her, yeah, you know, in her, especially in her Facebook group, you see more of it in her Facebook group because that was a private group that, like, at one point was very small. I know when you and I first were members in there, there were 
maybe like a thousand, couple thousand people. Yeah, no. And now it's like exploded. But now there's a lot of people. Yeah. But here's the rest of the post. Um, I've seen the rumors grow and build over the last few months to a point that is honestly hard to watch. I'm extremely grateful for this career and for you guys. I'm not walking away from writing, but I do want you to know I'm going to be more thoughtful about what I share about my personal life. I don't want you guys to think I don't care and don't want to share with you because I care very much and I'm so appreciative. I should expect a higher level of scrutiny now and as a result, I have to adjust to that. I know some of you are super protective of your friends and please don't defend me or my kids online. We know what happened, we know who we are, and we dealt with it in a way that we felt was appropriate. Mm -hmm. Please don't say anything negative about the girl who felt uncomfortable by my son's actions. I'm proud of her for speaking up and I told her. She can't control what that turned into from others. Never forget our number one rule in here. Love you all and I hope your holidays are wonderful. So this not only had repercussions for that girl and Colleen's family, but now it's made Colleen like take a step back from posting in general. Which this all because really crappy of, of me. All because of one twisted rumor. It sounds really crappy of me, but when I first read that, I selfishly was like, this sucks. It does. And then I stopped for a second and was like, do I have a right to be like that? And I think in a way I do because someone chose to misconstrue a situation obviously not the young lady she never said that from my understanding she never she never no made, even no even colleen says don't go after that girl um how'd she phrase it don't see anything negative about the girl i'm proud of her for speaking up she can't control what that turned into from but others she never yeah she never said that is what happened to her yeah someone um, else said that right and i don't Again, I don't know who did that or why you would do that. It just, I don't know. And like, and I was scrolling, I think it was last night I was scrolling and I saw another book talk of someone um, saying, I can't believe I just found out about what Colleen Hoover did. And they were like trashing all of their Colleen Hoover books. And I'm like, you obviously, I checked the date, like it was a recent posting. Yeah. So I'm like, you obviously don't follow Colleen really because you would have seen all of this and you would have known what really happened well it makes me feel like they weren't a fan of her to begin with like maybe they jumped on the like I'm sorry to say this but maybe they were one of the like bandwagon people that jumped on Colleen when she got big on book talk so they don't know like I hate to say the real her because probably none of us really know the real her right like obviously you and I are very close real life personal friends so you know the real me where most people listening to us just know me from podcasting so I feel like it's the same way like we feel like we know her but we don't know the real her and I I feel like what she presents online is as close to the it is her does that make sense yeah no I get you but at the same time like I feel like this is one of those people that hasn't been following her since like she was I don't want to say nobody because that seems very derogatory but like since she wasn't known yeah before she got because like I said, I remember when I first found her, I found her from something on Wattpad. And there were people in her group, but it was not very many people. This was even prior to the bookworm box and prior to like the television show. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I think some of these people that are being just so negative and so derogatory towards her and her family are probably, I hate to say this, but um, book talk. Like just seeking attention. Well, not just that, but like the people that like, (sighs) the word is evading me right now, but like. Words are hard. The words are hard. We say this every episode. Words are hard. But like those people that like they become fans because like, oh, I saw it on book talk. Like, the, like, it was big on book talk, so I have to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But. I feel sad for everyone involved in this, because I feel like she was an author that you felt like you had a, um, like, you had, like, this bond with, which I think makes some of her books hit different. Um, And I think that is going to slowly fade away. And it's sad, but most of the authors that like used to also be this way something usually happens and this is this is why yeah that they're no longer like as as much in the limelight as they used to be or as much a uh, accessible that's what it is it's like they're less accessible but then that leads a whole nother discussion that we'll have another time is like the people that think they have the right to access um famous people as it would be like I mean I like no right. I'll be the first to say no one has a right but when you've exactly. kind of when you've kind of gotten used to like almost almost having a direct line right. to someone like that like it, it definitely changes it does it does and I I say we have a right to feel hurt about it because that that impacts the fandom because that's part of that right. was like the cool thing of being a Colleen Hoover fan was yeah you could, you could kind of get personal with her and she even like um and it wasn't just with us that she did this with but like I remember when we did meet her um in Atlanta like we said something to her and she remembered like from something that one of us had posted in the group she's like oh yeah like that's how enmeshed in her fan group she was she remembers things that someone said or posted or did and she's like that's you oh like she would put a face with like a name a screen name then and so I think the days of that are probably gone yeah so this is sad book news but (laughs) it is sad book news but it is it is an update to a story that we brought you prior and it is still book news um, this again, I'll repeat this probably every time we record, but you can learn a lot of book to book news on book talk, both good and bad and in between. Honestly, which I have started following more authors on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just been my thing. So my Instagram I is now to, becoming more bookish than anything else. I used to follow a lot of authors on Instagram and then it got to where their algorithms were weird and I wasn't seeing the things that I really want to see. So that's fair. Most of my, um, so I've started following like book talk before I was following bookish creators. I have started following more actual authors because that is their TikTok. That is their platform to share their writing. Yeah. So it's not like listening to, which nothing against, there are some fantastic book uh, talk creators out there. Um, but I, I find that I really enjoy also following the actual author. Um, Like one that we have plans of doing later, Geneva Rose, her TikTok, her and her husband are, they're hysterical. They are great. (laughs) I love them. 
Now, my favorite author to follow on Instagram is V.E. Schwab. She, yes. She lives in Scotland, so all of her stuff is unique just because I've never been to Scotland yeah. or Europe. I haven't. I mean, I've left You're the coming, U.S., yeah. but coming. I am coming one day. Yeah. I will coming. be there. But so I just get that unique perspective yeah. of not only author things, but access to another country. Yeah. That's like, uh, I really like Lala Dubois because I do like her writing. Um, she's a no-no author for you, but um, I really enjoy her writing. But her husband is hysterical. Um, she's also the one that does character protective services. Yeah. Um, but her husband is um, Scottish. And so she does these funny little things. Like when they went to visit his family, she's like, I've been walking around the Scottish farm for hours and have yet to find me a beautiful farm boy to sweep me away. And then his face <laughs> pops in and he goes, uh, hello, I'm right here. And she pushes him out all the way. Like you don't count. Like they are adorable. And he packs all of the, um, orders. Yeah. So, um, he actually, he packs all the orders and he's now called Farm Boy. That's what all her fans have started calling him because he he's from a farm over there. Um, and I thought it was really cute. They had a book that I had ordered months ago that I told you guys about when I very first, when, like one of the first episodes that you and I did together. It finally came in stock and they sent it to me. Um, no extra shipping or anything like that. And both of them wrote me, hand wrote the sweetest little notes. And signed them like the it's signed Lila and the other one signed Farm Boy, and they included little stickers in the order and like extra little things. And I was like, they did not have to do this. And they <laughs> package it all themselves, like at the, in their home. Like she signed. Yeah, I knew the they book. did it through out of their house. Yeah. So that's my favorite one. That's my favorite. <laughs> They're just great. Well, speaking of favorites, we'll segue yeah. into our next segment here. We're going to do an end of the year wrap up where um, both Miranda and I are going to cover our top five reads of 2022. I'll put in parentheses so far. Um, We are recording on December 4th. So we do have a few weeks left of the year. So I'm sure when we come back in January, we'll have a couple of amendments Mm -hmm. maybe. Right. But we'll cover our top fives and maybe a few uh, we'll never do again books. Yeah, I don't want to, I didn't want to say, like, hated. Like, we we discussed doing, like, top um, five loves, top five hates, and I don't really think I have any that I hated, but I have a few that maybe, like, I probably wouldn't reread, if that makes See, sense. See, I, and I have, I have personal you, I know you had one saying... that you were, like, not happening, and actually it's one that I'm, like, in the middle of, where I've read, like, a fourth of it and I laid it down. I read a fourth more, I laid it down. So I think I have one that I'm going to talk about later on the recent reads that you did finish or maybe you did, maybe you DNF'd it. Anyway, I know, I know one that's going to be in your, that's going to be on my current read. And I don't, I hate saying, I I hate saying hate. (laughs) I hate saying that I hated a book because I know authors spend X amount of time and effort and energy working on these books for the public to consume. So that I hate ask- saying that I hate something. Right. But I'll just say it wasn't for me. And that's how I'm going to personally word it. Okay. So like not to interrupt you there. I apologize. But I actually saw a meme the other day that I now remember because I was telling you before we started recording. Like there's something I wanted to talk to you about. Which fits perfectly here into our year and wrap up. And it was a meme from an author that I actually follow. And she's like, um, 
me takes three years to write a book at a convention fan. I loved your book so much. I read it in one day. She thinks. <laughs> and a lot of it was it was a big debated topic in in the com- like in the comments of that. And the people were like, yes, but like we understand you took years to write it. But we want you to know how much we we loved it so much that we devoured it in such a small amount of time. Like, we'll see, and, and it can be reread and reread and shared. And because I loved it so much, I'm going to share it with another person. So, like, that author at first took it as like a, it made me giggle too. And she was like, "Yeah, gee, thanks." But I was like, <laughs> "How? So, how do you feel about that?" Like, it's well, uh, okay. So, not to bring up my favorite artist of all time, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I knew it. so anyone who knows me knows that i'm a complete and total diehard swifty um taylor swift does have a netflix documentary called uh, miss americana and Mm -hmm. in that one she is basically covering well she covers a variety of things but in the documentary she also documents how she made her album lover and I will be the first to say Lover is one of my least favorite albums. Um, it just, some of the songs don't resonate well with me. The right. The first single that she published for the Lover album was a song called Me. And it featured Brendan Urie from Panic! at the Disco. It was this ultra sugar pop, I don't want to say disaster, but it was. <laughs> and it is, I think he it is. is amazing but that it didn't it was it was a total flop for the fandom you will find very few swifties who like that song now was it a good like we can get into the whole thing if it was a good comeback from the previous dark era reputation blah 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 like it's supposed to be a juxtaposition i get that it was just no one really liked the song and in the documentary she spends like a good 30 45 minutes showing us how she made the song me Mm-hmm. And that hit me kind of hard because it made me realize she puts all of this work into this right. lead single and she worked hard on it. Like there was a lot of thought, effort, time, energy put into the song and it's a three minute song and she worked on it for who knows how many months. And then the, the right. public hears it one time and we condemn it. Yeah. So like I take that into the book world too. These authors write for who knows how many hours a day for who knows how many months or years years, sometimes. And then we read it in, what, a few days, a week, maybe tops, and we're like, no, that was terrible. Or we loved it, but we finished it in a complete day. And I never thought about how that, until I saw that, um, and we started talking about, like, won't read again, loved. I never thought about that uh, from the aspect of, well, I kind of did, because you and I talked about this privately but like I have a couple of ideas for a few different books. I am a strong writer, but I don't think I'm that strong of a writer. Does that make sense? And I think we're all negative about things, we're all right? Like for ourselves. Yeah. So like I have written, I would love to write a book. I have a couple books I'd like to write and they're in different genres entirely, but I think that's a fear. Uh, a fear is that like I would spend years writing it for people to devour it in one day and be like, they like make this. an immediate judgment. Immediate judgment over me and my writing ability or lack of or 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 they liked it and then they liked it so much that the next book I write lets them down. Like 
I so I felt so when I read that meme, I both felt for that writer in the sense of like I have never written anything because I have that fear. And then I also was kind of like, yeah, but we read we devoured it in a day because we loved it because if I devour it in a day, because your reading speed is much faster than mine. If I devour a book in a day or two days, if it's a if it's a chonker, then I loved it and was thoroughly engrossed. And it's not it's a compliment to the writer. Yeah. No, I totally I agree 100 percent. So I had a I had so mixed feelings on that. So that's why I wanted to kind of toss it in here, because you have a few that you absolutely know you won't read again. And I think you didn't even finish. Correct. Uh, I think I finished everything. Did you actually finish? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I struggle finished, but I finished. But all of that to say, I'm not going to say these are terrible books. I'm just going to say maybe they're not for us. That makes sense, though, because there are books, um, and it's really funny. Um, Andy's girlfriend actually apparently messaged me tonight, and she's like, that book you recommended was dirty. And I was like, which book? (laughs) And apparently it was one of Colleen's and she was shocked that you liked it. And I was like, well, she's a really big fan of Colleen. So I think she can gloss over things like that. Wait, which um, one? It was. It ends with us. And I had to think back because it's been a while since I read that one. There is some stuff in that one. So I've only read that one once because that one is super heavy. It is extremely heavy, but it's one that like. I. I, I it's an important yeah. book. It is very important. And from from what I remember of those scenes, they are very intense. But they are. They, I will say those were necessary. Yeah. So going forward, Miranda will make sure she adds if there should be a trigger of some sort. If because um, I do tend to forget that I am way more okay with things in books than others <laughs> are. So Ellen, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Ellen, we apologize. We didn't yeah, mean to traumatize you. I didn't mean to. She had read Verity and she really liked it. Uh, and okay. like, the, I guess the lady at the bookstore, she said, told her a lot of teens like Colleen. So she was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I apologize. I will not traumatize people anymore. But I think that's also important when we do the, like you said, the won't do again. I think so. Like, just because a book was not for one person doesn't mean it's a bad book. Yeah, it just means it's not for that person. So I have because like I might have one that you're like, I hated it. And I'm like, I loved it. So that's just, you know, where we might end up. But you had a goal this year. You and I both do. And we do them on Goodreads. I've been getting some flack about you using Goodreads. But listen, it's simple. And I understand it. (laughs) I tried to go to StoryGraph. My ADHD will not allow me to. I And I tried to go to Literal. And Literal just doesn't have all of the parts yet they're working on it they're They're building it but it's not and i think literal is run it's a it's a woman-owned company yes literal is women-owned women run yeah and i think that's i tried to switch to it as well i highly recommended it to people because like i like the idea of that and not giving emperor bezos any more of myself he already gets enough of me um (laughs) and i think that's why people don't like goodreads is because it is owned by amazon But I continue to use it. And over there, you create a goal. Um, You had one. What did you set your goal for this year? Um, My goal was 30, which I know sounds, uh, for the hardcore readers like ourselves, I know that's kind of low. But when I set the goal, I was still working on my degree. 
So I felt like 30 was a good, that was roughly two and a half books a month. Right. Um, however, I have surpassed it. Sweet. And I have currently read 45. And, and awesome. you will be proud of me for this. I am currently reading two books at the same time, Miranda. What? You are Mirandaing books? Well, one my father-in-law gave to me, and I want to give it back to him when we go back to Dothan in a couple of weeks. Okay. And then one is from the library that is due, technically is due while we are closed, but I want to get it done before so I can turn it in, obviously. Makes sense. So. So Bianca is usually a one book at a time reader, period. I think the only reason I'm able to do it is, I'll get into this when we get into recent reads, but they are completely different books. I so. do it because some days my ADHD will not allow, and I'm sure people are like, Please stop talking about your ADHD. I can't. It's who I am. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> when you get diagnosed as an adult, it becomes a big thing, okay? Um, but I'm one of those people that, like, I'll be reading a book, and it's not that the book is bad, and it's not that I don't want to read it, but it's like, this is not where I'm at right now. Like, I need something different. So, that is why I usually have more than one going at a time. Well, how many? Um, what was your goal, Miranda? My goal was 50. I That's a good goal. Be reasonable, because I also know some of the cozy mysteries that I read are only like 250 pages. Well, when That's you think about small, it, 50 but... books, that's like basically a book a week. Yeah, yeah. So my goal was 50. What I are you at that. right now? I, uh, according to Goodreads, which I have to turn one into them, and then I am finishing one right now. So the book that I'm on right now I have about a fourth of it left, and it will be number 89. Woo! Dang. But, but, my cousin. My cousin. Oh, is this, is this the cousin that does, like, a book a day? Yeah. He's officially at 112. What the crap? When I finish these two, it'll be 47. <laughs> I think that's... Hey, I think that is fantastic. I really do. But we talked about this privately and you were like, I don't know how you do it. I do it because um, I read during the day while Caden is working on school because I feel like the TV would distract him because we live in a small flat in Europe. So, like, yeah, you can close your bedroom door, but that doesn't mean you're not going to hear what's going on in the rest of the house. Right. So I read a lot during that time. And then he and I usually read a book together, like an out loud. Um, he loves to read, but he's not a super strong. Well, I'm going to rephrase that. It's not that he's not a strong reader. He's not a fast reader. Um, and he struggles a little um, due to dyslexia and dysgraphia. Um, so he listens to a lot of audiobooks, or I read them out loud to him. Or he does a lot of graphic novels because obviously there's still a lot of dialogue, but there's photos as well and it helps him so that's where I also get books in is because sometimes I'm reading them out loud to him so yeah that that helps a lot too I think so I'm very proud of your goal and your um well I'm hoping since this will be I said 47 yeah this will Mm -hmm. when I finish these two will be 47 I'm hopefully I can finish them by next weekend so I'm hoping I can hit 50 before the year ends Awesome. So out of the 47 that you have read or are currently reading, technically two are currently reading. Well, out of the 47, tell me about some of your favorites. 
And I've always, I'm always conflicted when I try to pick favorites, especially like with such a long, large or standouts, maybe. Yeah. Do you have any that like you can like off the top of your head be like, yes, just because they stood out so well? So I'm scrolling my, what have I read this year on Goodreads? <laughs> yes. And see, that's the other reason why I like Goodreads is I can go in there at any time and I can be like, oh, I read that. I read that. I read that. Exactly. Um, so ones that stand out. Um, I won't count this because I've read it before, but since I technically reread it this year, it counts. It'll, be an, it'll be an honorable mention. It counts. No, it counts. It'll be a uh, Verity, Colleen Hoover. Okay. Um, you did another... a reread of it this year? Yes, because okay. the new edition came out um, and she oh, published right. mm-hmm. she published an extra chapter. I was like, I need it. And I but. haven't read it yet. I need that extra chapter in my life. It adds some stuff. <laughs> Does it change? Does it, it change? It won't change whether you are team manuscript or team letter. It won't. But it will give you different perspectives. I think you and I are on the same team, if I remember correctly. I'm team manuscript. I'm definitely team manuscript. As I had a friend recently. Um, she read Verity. And before she got to the very end, she was like, what the crap? Blah, 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 blah. And it led me to believe that she was team letter. And I was like, wait, do I have a team letter friend? And we started I discussing it. I have a team it. letter friend. That blew my mind. I was like, how can you be team letter? It blew my mind as well. I, but uh, her explanation to me on team letter was because she... Felt also as a mother, um, obviously this isn't spoiling anything, this is being very vague, but she said she's team letter because she felt like as a mother, there is absolutely no way that manuscript was possible. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm not that getting she was just a really right good now. writer. And I yeah. said, eh, no. <laughs> okay, moving on. So these, I'm going to say these are my top fives for the year because, like I said, Verity is going to be an honorable mention. Okay. Um, Gallant by V.E. Schwab. Okay. It is a, I think it's technically a kid's book, but it was dark, I'd say, more young adult. That borderline that you and I have talked about where they're going to probably end up in the next five years having a new genre where it's between YA and adult. Yeah. Um, What would you call it? Like new adult? That's what I call it. New adult. Like. No, because when I think new adult, I think more like early 20s. Okay. Well, I don't know what we're going to name that genre there. Maybe you and I can get famous for naming it, but there's, there's like this gray area between YA and an adult that, that I think this feels, this fits. Yeah. Um, Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. Oh, I can't wait to read that one. It was so good. I think I liked it better than The House by the Cerulean Sea. I think I liked Under the Whispering Door better. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm scrolling. This one's going to be controversial, but I really enjoyed Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. My husband actually brought up some stuff about this the other day that I did not know. And I want to ask you very quickly if you uh-huh. knew. Did you know that there is huge conspiracy and around the fact that this might be a true story? Yes. Okay, I did not. Yes. And he was like, did you know? And I was like, I did not. I have to talk to Bianca now. <laughs> yes, I was aware. And she's also a problematic figure anyway. But the book is yeah. good. So. No, I will be reading it. 
I absolutely will be reading it and then I'll probably move forward and watch the movie. But I did not know that and was like, what? Yeah. Um, let's see. So there's three. I'm saving okay. my, my ultimate number one for the very end. Okay. I'll say another one that I really enjoyed was probably Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. Okay. Um, I've heard great things about Grady Hendrix's writing. I've just never um, read, but he I've definitely added all of Grady Hendrix books to my wanted read list. He, th- I think that was my second book by Grady this year. Yeah, because I read his vampire one too. Oh, yes. I do remember you saying um, that now. Horror Store is about this group of people who basically work at Ikea, but he doesn't say Ikea because he can't name drop stores. Oh, Ikea. And the and the actual book kind of reads like an Ikea furniture manual. It was really interesting. It looks like it, actually. The cover yeah. does. And uh, we got our, I got my friend Susan to read it. I hope, I think she's finished with it now. I can't remember, but she says she also really enjoyed it. So there's another um, recommendation for it. She said thank you to something you recommended the other day. It was that one. I just, I can't remember if she's actually finished it or not. I think she said she almost, I don't know. I will double check our messages, but I think she finished it. <laughs> well, and then my final book that I think is probably my favorite of the year is I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Um, This book has gotten so much praise. So I don't like to rate biographies. Yeah. They are a person's experience with life. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have a right to say that's bad because you've had a bad life or that's good because you've had a good life. But this is an autobiography. She wrote it completely herself. She also does the audiobook, if I'm not mistaken. She does. And it hits hard. And it makes you think about your own life experiences and how maybe you would handle things in that situation, mm-hmm. even as a child. And I think it's one of the most impactful books that has been published this year. Because a lot of it is about her life as a child star and how she was treated by her her mom and on set and all kinds of things, correct? It's it's mainly about um, her and her relationship with her mother and how the older she got, the more problematic she realized her mother was. Because mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that when we're children, we kind of idolize our parents and our parents know best type things. Well, I mean, because in your eyes, they are they are it. That yeah. that is, yeah. I mean, like that's kind of the standard you have for life. Exactly. And her her mother, I think her mother loved her to the best of her mother's ability. And that's kind of what she has to come to terms with. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in book news. It's like sometimes you're a product of your environment and sometimes you're not. You know? Yeah. Like it, it is how it is. But this is one of those books I did read it in one sitting. Um, yeah, I remember you you were like, I'm starting this. And then I think I got a message, which I was asleep. And you're like, I'm done. And I was like, what? It, yeah, I rented a, I checked out a Kindle from work. And I read it in maybe five hours. Because I, I, of course, like took breaks to like 
get up and walk around and eat something, stuff like that. But I think I right. read it within like five hours. <clears throat> so I was that person that day. Sorry, Jeanette. I know you spent a lot of time on this and it was probably very traumatic, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it probably actually was probably therapeutic for her in some ways too. Probably, but I, I know that writing some of that down, she probably had to relive some stuff that she probably wanted to keep buried but absolutely I think it needed to be said and it it will definitely help other people oh absolutely so Miranda do you have a top five uh so I this one was very hard for me as well um but I do um my top five in no real specific order well okay maybe maybe one is at the top Um, so I'll save this one. So, um, we talked about it already on like one of our very first episodes. So I won't go into that. Go back to, I think our second episode, I talked about a book called Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren, where I mentioned you couldn't tell that it was written by two people. It was so intertwined very well. And it was about a a group of kids that have a YouTube channel. It is a YA horror, um, but they're like teen ghost hunters. They do like overnight stays in different paranormal places and they go to a hotel in LA, which essentially is supposed to be, they can't say this obviously, but it's basically like the Cecil hotel. Um, And the young lady that's one of the main um, characters of the book has the ability to see um, and hear ghosts. Um, And it was pretty graphic at a few points um but I really enjoyed this book and then I randomly found it at the train station like I had left my book at home when I went to pick someone up from the airport via the train and was like I need a new book and it ended up being one of my favorites of this year remind me was that YA or regular fiction it's actually YA horror yeah Okay, I couldn't remember. And remember, it was one of those that's my favorite because it does the floppy floppy thing. Yes. (laughs) So all around, it was a fantastic book because it was the proper, like, book consistency that I like. (laughs) Um, But I really loved that one. It actually ended up being a fantastic story, and it turned me into looking up, like, what else they had read or had written. Um, And they have another book coming out together again um, that I'm like, I don't care what it's about. I'm buying it. On it. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then I would also, uh, this is an entire series, but I started it this year and I've made my way through to number nine this year. And that was the Vampire Knitting Club um, that I've also talked about. So I'd lump like one through nine, the ones that I've actually read, like together as part of my top five. Can you do that? Can you lump can you lump a whole series together? That works for me. Who remind me who the author was? That was by Nancy Warren. Um, I don't know. It's just yes, there's a death happening in every book, but they're just kind of like cozy. And then there's like side stories going on. And like the more you get into the series, the more you learn about other characters that are like side characters but are very important to her life. And I'm just really enjoying it. Um I feel like they're easy reads but not in the sense of like oh she's just a simple author that's not what I mean and just easy as in like it's not hard to get into and it doesn't take up a lot of your time they are like most cozies they are smaller books 
230, 250 pages each. Um, to me, it's a small book. Other people are probably like, what? To me, that's a small book. You know, normal I book. Think, eh, I think that's about average, maybe. Right. I, but I, I enjoy them. Um, and I'm liking to see where the continuation of the story goes. And I found out that she's written a couple other series. Um, like there's like the magical bake off, which is mainly all witches. Um, so I, it's led me to like deep dive into this whole of like, what else does she have? So, um, uh, so that's two, let me go three, uh, was mythos, the Greek myths retold by Stephen. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Highly enjoyed that one. I think. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of them that are going to be in my top five, we talked about on the pod, but that's probably why I love them so much. <laughs> I talked about them already. It's okay. Um, Most of the ones I I did, we I don't think I used any of these for a pod. So if you want me to discuss any of these, <laughs> let me know and we can set that up for a future episode. And we could do that. Um, another one that I really loved is one that I got, it was, um, given to me for like early release to, um, review. It was The Lies I Tell by Julie Clark. It is a, it is one that I gave full five stars to. Oh, wow. Which we've discussed how we rate books several times before you and I only give a five star to something that like hundred percent engrossed in probably would read it again. Probably will tell everybody about it. Four stars is that book that was really awesome. You're probably going to tell everybody about it. You may even keep a copy of it on your shelf, but maybe not necessarily read it again. Five yeah. is like all the things for Bianca and I, <laughs> this is a kind of twisted tell. Or a kind of a twist on it's a con woman, um, but when you find out why she's a con woman and what led her to do these things, you're on her side. Um, hmm. And she gets she she's a con. She ends up being like she's a college student. She's a life coach. She's a real estate agent, but obviously nothing about her is real. And another woman ends up crossing paths with her and kind of it's like wants to find out more. She realizes that she's not who she is and she wants to find out more. And she ends up like kind of telling her story and becoming like, I don't know, they get intertwined in in a way that like you wouldn't believe. And it's just truly interesting. It's very, just very riveting, just a total knockout. I loved it. I would highly recommend. Um, I think you mark. It looks like you marked it as want to read. As I think I did that after yeah. I saw you had done something with it. Yeah. So I gave it five stars. It's I 300 am a, something pages. Yeah. I am a good read scroller. So if I, see, I am too. If I see, see that's what I like. something, I'm going to be yeah. like, Ooh, what are they reading? What are they doing? But that's, that's one of the things I also like about Goodreads is like, you can see it's like, so-and-so your, this friend also read it or this friend wants to read it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So another friend that I follow on Goodreads just gave a good synopsis in, in a brief sentence. It's a revenge tale told through dual POVs. But it's the vengeful con artist, con artist Meg who dominates the story. That's interesting. A, that's amazing summary. Her. So, yeah. So let's see. That's got me at three. That's four. Was that four? Yeah. You four hotel. More. Or Hotel Vampire Knitting Club, Mythos, The Lies I Tell. Yep. Oh, that's right. So I said I didn't have a number one, but I actually do. The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. Ooh. I only gave it four stars, believe it or not, but I still think it's my favorite. It's about a lady... Two ladies, really. Again, their stories are intertwined. One of our main characters is Claire. Or, or, excuse me. That's not her name. That's the city. Claire Lake is the city. And it's these murders that happened in, like, 1977. They're called the Lady Killers. It's these two men or that rent. They're, like, murdered the same way. Kind of same note left. And the woman, Beth, is the suspect. Um, she's this is this rich, based on a true story? I don't know. I think it. I've heard of a similar case, so I wondered if the author took inspiration from that. But she never says like based on a true story oh, okay. in any of the things I've read about the book. Um, this actually is currently a Goodreads Choice Award nominee for Best Mystery and Thriller. Ooh! So it could end up winning. I did vote for it because I loved it. Um, but Beth. Uh, ends up being the perfect suspect. She's rich, eccentric. She's a 23-year-old woman um, who they, someone says, was seen fleeing one of the crimes. Um, and later on, we meet Shay Collins, who is a receptionist, but by night runs a true crime website called The Book of Cold Cases. It's just a passion project of hers. And she meets Beth literally by chance and asks for an interview because Beth is obviously well known because she was blamed for those murders in 77. Um, and it's the story of the two of them. And then you find out what actually happened. And it was phenomenal, like very gripping, hard to put down. Um, I've seen that pop up on my Goodreads before. So yeah, I will be adding that to my list. And there's small, I will say there's small elements of supernatural in it that you're not quite sure. So I'm, I'll say this. I'm a firm believer of supernatural things. And I love supernatural books, even as like fictional things, right? But you leave this book trying to decide. So if you, if you guys finish it, I would love to hear your thoughts. You leave this book trying to decide if the things that kind of are supernaturally that happen really are or if it's because of everything that you learn, if it's the mind playing games. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, while you're still here, yes. do you have some that maybe just were not for you that you read this year? I think I do. Um, and it, what's really funny is one of the books is from a series that I like the series, but I did not like this book. So I have been making my way through the Bridgerton series. Um, oh, yeah. Those are books that I like. 
I loved book one and the like epilogue like 1.5 that went with it. And then I got to two. <sighs> so much potential. <laughs> but the execution just wasn't there. What was the title of it? Um, let me, I'm trying to find it now. I apologize. Because the first so one is the Duke and I, right? It is. The first one is the Duke and I. Um, this is Bridgerton's number two, The Viscount Who Loved Me. Okay. Um, and this one is about the brother, Anthony, or Anthony, but the, it's British, so they say Anthony. Yeah. Um, he's the most elusive bachelor. And he's mentioned and talked about and has lines and such in book one. And I was so hopeful because I liked him in book one. And I was like, oh, I'm, I can't wait to get to his story. Because if you're not familiar with Bridgerton, it's about the Bridgerton family. The whole series is in each book, a different sibling finally finds their mate, finds their love and so on and so forth. Well, we get to Anthony and like the way it all ends up coming down, which spoiler alert, he ends up obviously really caring for the girl. But like the way it all goes down, like mid book, you're like, what? <laughs> he was a total twat. Now, does I've watched the Bridgerton TV series? Yeah. Are the books are they similar, or do they? Yeah. Do, do, yeah, yeah. Does the series take liberty? So like book one is. Uh, the couple that you see in season one. Okay. So season two is more of Anthony and his girl. Yeah. So each season, it's just I think there's a little more already brought up in um the TV show than like you know about things in season one that you don't know about in book one. I think oh, if okay. I remember. Yeah, but it's okay because you know. I haven't actually watched all of the TV show because I was like, nope, this is one of those that I feel like I want to read the books first. And especially because one season is one book, I have I should have time. Um, so I've done all of book one, one and a half, two, two and a half, and three. Um, and two just... Two just fell flat for you. It kind of fell flat. Like, I started it and was like, I finished The Duke and I in like two days. Uh, the Viscount Who Loved Me, no, I kept having to come back to it. I was just, yeah. it just made me angry. <laughs> Unfortunately, another one that I felt had, like, so much potential, but fell a little flat for me. Um, it had all the things that Miranda loves in a YA book. Um, is The Daughter of the Burning City by Amanda Foodie. Um... I'll Did just you say read Foodie? The, yeah, her last name is Foodie, F-O-O-D-Y. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and maybe it's pronounced differently. Like, I don't, I really don't know. Like, I could be, maybe it's like Foddy or, fo, uh, you know, but it's yeah. F-O-O-D-Y. Yeah. Um. So, quick synopsis. 16-year-old Serena has spent most of her life within the smoldering borders of Gomorrah Festival. Yet, even among many unusual members of the traveling circus city, Serena stands apart as the only illusion worker born in hundreds of years. This rare talent allows her to create illusions that others can see, feel, touch with personalities all of their own. 
Her creations are her family, and together they make up the cast of the festival's freak show. But no matter how lifelike they may seem, her illusions are still just that. They're illusions. And not truly real. Or that's what she's always believed until one of them is murdered. Desperate to protect her family, Serena must track down the corporate and determine how they killed a person who doesn't actually exist. So that right there, I was like, I'm sold. And then I read a third of it, laid it down. Came back and read a fourth of it, laid it down. Like what, I had like the what last fell 30 flat for you? Was it just like because I know you're a very descriptive person? Was it lack of descriptions? Was it no a descriptions plot? were absolutely on point. Um, like you probably would have glossed over parts. Like um, at one point she goes and talks to this like seer lady that's that like um, it describes like the tent and like I could I was there right like I'm in the carnival I'm feeling it I'm seeing it. It was just like. There were parts of it that were too far-fetched where I was like, make it make sense. And then there were parts, like when I got to the end, to the big reveal, I was like, and it's, it's it's a series, so it continues on. So I'm trying to decide if I continue because maybe it gets better. Like maybe it clarifies some things. Yeah. But we got to like the big reveal of like who done it basically. Um, and there's like an extra twist. So it, and I felt like it was too much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Without it was too outlandish. Anything. Yeah. It, well, it wasn't just that. It was like, okay, so you explained who did it and why. And that was sad and devastating. But then on top of that, oh, by the way, here's what you also didn't know. You've been being lied to about da 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 da. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so she didn't just have one problem, she had four. And the girl didn't even know it. Like, it just seemed like way too much for a heroine's backstory, I guess. I got When you got to the end. I was like, whoa. Like, ooh. And it's supposed to be a YA book. So I was like, this, I don't know, a little. I apologize, Amanda Foodie, if for some reason you hear this. But there were parts that were just a little convoluted for me. (laughs) However... Her writing is fantastic in the sense of, like, her descriptors. I thought I was there in that carnival. Like, when she was describing some of the things, like, I could see it and taste it and smell it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I just, something fell flat for me in certain areas where I just thought it was too much. Well, let's round it out to a, a nice three. Do you have a third that's maybe not for you? I have a third that's not for me, and I'm going to get some crap about it, and I know it. Why are so, you being controversial, Miranda? I'm not trying to be, but it just happens. <laughs> so I have another book that was sent to me early. It's actually book two in the Lake Witch Trilogy by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, the first book being My Heart is a Chainsaw. And people raved and loved my heart is a chainsaw and I liked it um which I had forgotten that I read it but I did um so I got sent this one that actually doesn't even release until February 7th of 23 um but I read it I love serial killers I love gore and that's a horrible thing to say because you shouldn't love those things boys and girls you don't love those things 
<laughs> wise sage wisdom right you don't love those things you don't want to be them um so this is a continuation of the lake witch trilogy if you loved my heart is a chainsaw maybe you're gonna love this one but i immediately in just the first two chapters did not know what was going on and then i like, had to go back and be like did i read book one and then i went through it and then i checked book one out from the library again and i started reading it and i was like i've already read this i have absolutely already read this i was so i don't know i almost dnf'd this one. Ooh, wow because there things were confusing so <laughs> it says uh jade returns to the rural lake town of proof rock the same day as convicted indigenous serial killer dark mill south escapes into town to complete his revenge killings in this riveting sequel to my heart is a chainsaw from new york bell settling times author stephen graham jones four years after her tumultuous senior year jade daniels is released from prison right before christmas when her conviction is overturned but life beyond bars takes a dangerous turn as soon as she returns to proof rock convicted serial killer dark mill south seeking revenge for 38 dakota men hanged in 1862 escapes from his prison transfer due to a blizzard just outside of proof rock idaho uh yeah so see already that's just a description and i'm confused yeah i'm confused there were there okay if you like gore it was great like the like i'm not even kidding you're like barely halfway into chapter one i think it's just like an epilogue and like you already get a uh, gross intestineness murder I'll leave it at that for the people that can't handle it. Um, so if that's your thing, maybe give it a try. But I was very confused. I felt like there was some jumping around happening. I felt like I missed something, something where I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stephen Graham Jones. I didn't like <laughs> Your gore is great. Your writing on that, descriptive, fantastic, chef's kiss. But I didn't like the book. Well, not all books are for everyone. Not all books are for everyone. And if you love this book, I applaud you and give you two thumbs up. And I hope you have fun. <laughs> well, I also have a few picked out that were just not for me this year. I'm waiting to see. I'm across my fingers to see if I'm right. <laughs> no, I don't want to be um, right, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I no. I think I'm right. I think I know one. My, my number one that was not for me is The Library of the Dead by T.L. Yes! Huchu. <laughs> okay. So the story behind this is I was in Barnes one day and I picked up accidentally the second book in this series. The second book sounded okay. amazing. I still have the second book sitting on my bookshelf. What is the second book called? I forget. Something My Lady of Something. Okay. Uh, it's purple. It was pretty and it had a cool yeah title and it sounded the summary sounded cool to me in Barnes but then I figured out once I got home I was like oh this is the second one I need to get the first one so I checked out the first one from the library I struggled to finish that book so bad <clears throat> it was it was uh, I think it was supposed to be a fantasy book and I think it was also supposed to be a thriller book and I think it was also supposed to be something else and 
you never really got a coherent plot when you think you got the plot figured out you're going on this like side quest and that ended up being the true plot and it i don't it's know called the edinburgh knights series yeah there we go but maybe i'll pick up the second one next year if i feel so led because like i said i do own it you're kind of like me with that uh daughter of the burning city series where you're like i Feel like I should go ahead and read the second one because same thing. I bought them both on Kindle. Yeah. So like I feel like I should go ahead, but I don't. Well, my reasoning is that if I don't like the second one, I'll just donate this one to the library because they don't have the second one. Right. So maybe they'll take the second one and be like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was absolutely my least favorite of the year. I think I only gave it two stars, and that was being generous on my part, just because yeah. I hate giving one stars. Yeah, I because again it goes back to the conversation we had earlier of like they spend so much time and like yeah. this is their like baby and they put everything into it. Like I also hate giving a person one star. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was the only reason it got two stars for me. Because I know time and effort went into it. Um another one that I just did not care for was actually the X Hex by <gasps> Really by Aaron Sterling. And for those who don't know, um, Aaron Sterling is a, uh, like an alternate name, alternate publishing name for mm-hmm. Rachel Hawkins. And it's, I almost included the one that I read this year, The Wife Upstairs, in my top five, but I didn't because I just had a couple that I felt better suited. But I absolutely loved The Wife Upstairs. Yes. Loved it. The X-Hex, I just, it was a little hokey. It was, it was very, like, okay, so I love Hallmark movies. I love Christmas movies because you the, and plots, I both. the plots are very, like, predictable and you know what's going to happen. But this was, like, super ultra predictable with just Aww. an over, with, with an overdone plot for me. And I don't know, it just, it didn't work for me. So I'm sorry to Aaron Sterling slash Rachel Hawkins. Well, guess what? I just learned randomly while on Goodreads. I will not be continuing Daughter of the Burning City because the book that I bought that I thought was number two is not There Is No Number Two. Oh. So I stand by I stand by my decision. <laughs> <laughs> it is a book two of another series of hers. Okay. Gotcha. So I stand beside my decision. <laughs> um, well, my third one that is maybe not for me okay. is a book called The Secret by Eva Hoffman. Okay. I picked it up randomly from the library because the premise sounded very much Bianca. This girl basically goes on a quest to like kind of find herself basically and she doesn't really know where she comes from and she has a mysterious past and she tries to figure it all out stuff like that okay like, i that think sounds... i just looked it up and the cover looked familiar so i i read it back during the summer i think um yeah you gave it three stars yeah it was it was very slow super slow good if if it would have moved a little faster and been a little bit more fleshed out, it would have been a little bit higher on my list, I think. 
but it was just I struggled to get through it and it's a very short book I think it's only like 200 250 pages so it's funny you say that I have another friend that rated it on Goodreads and she gave it two stars and she said she really really thinks the story was a neat one but it was told so blandly and formally that it lacked something well everything Okay, so I think the reason it was told so blandly is because it's supposed to be kind of academic. Okay. Um, at least that, that was my interpretation, because the, the mother is like this very reserved academic type. She's very smart, and mm-hmm. the daughter kind of inherited all of that, and that's kind of how she perceives the world. And so I think that's why it's told that way. But that also just made it a bad reading experience. Um, I just was reading about the author as well. And I guess I could understand what you're saying based off. And this is no, in no way being rude. But it, she is described literally in her description of herself as a writer and an academic. Yeah. And she was born in 1945. And this book came out in 2004. And she's a very intelligent person. She has multiple degrees from multiple colleges. Oh yeah, and I'm universities. reading this. She's got like, and I mean, her life. The author itself, her life is like, wow. She was born um, in Poland um, after her Jewish parents survived the Holocaust by hiding in the Ukraine. Yep. And in 1959, during the Cold War, 13-years-old Eva and her nine-year-old sister and her parents immigrated to Canada. And th- I mean, her life sounds. Uh, Jesus like wow and then she's got all these degrees so I can kind of understand how you're telling me that the book concept great but it was written just so like you said from an academic standpoint yes it just it kind of fell flat it had so much potential and then it just kind of went bloop wow there was no real pinnacle to the book either like it was just all Kind of like you're just in Kansas. There's no real hills. There's no real valleys. It's just all kind of the same. Hmm. This cover looks vaguely familiar, though. I the the synopsis does not, but the the cover does for some reason. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. So, <clears throat> but now that we've gone over our end of year wrap up parentheses so far, what's your goal next year? What do you think you're going to set your goal as next year? I think I'm going to put it at 50. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm going to stick. So mine was 50 this year. Yours was 30. But like you said, you um, you had a lot of schoolwork that you were doing. I think I'm going to stick with 50 because sometimes I get in reading slumps. And it's not every year. Like a lot of years I have surpassed but not all of them um because you can also look back at your past challenges yeah and some years it looks like i be like in 2020 which you would think i would have so much time to read then but no i was packing to move across the world um i literally it looks like i literally barely made it and i made 50 out of 50. um there's a couple of years prior that i didn't make it like in 2013 i set myself the goal of 100 and i only made it to 74. yeah so, like, I think it looks like based on I've been doing the Goodreads goal since 2013. So, it seems like reasonable is 50. And, see, and I've never done, I think this year, uh, oh, Goodreads just froze on me. Hello. <laughs> okay. 
So I think this year 30 was the highest that I've ever said it just because I've always been in school. I'm a perpetual student. Knock right. on wood, not for 2023. Not doing <laughs> it this year. Um, so, but I think now that I'm out of school and maybe I can have a little bit more free time, 50 mm-hmm. is basically a book a week. It is doable. Depending on so the, the thickness of my books. <laughs> right. Same, because there's a series that I'm wanting to restart. Uh, one of my beloved Sarah J. Moss series. Oh, hers are really thick. And that, that's going to take me a minute. Because, like, yeah. I haven't read. There's one that, like, I stopped because you just need a break. Like, if you try to power read straight through one, two, three, four, like, you hit a point, you're like, oh, I love these, but I need a moment. Um, and that's what happened. And so now she's written more. And I'm like, but I need to go back. Yeah. So. <laughs> If I'm completing those, I don't know. That's like three books. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, so I've got um, Babel and Priory of the Orange Tree to try to tackle. Oh, yeah. I almost bought Priory of the Orange Tree the other day, and I put it back because I'm like, I'm not ready for you yet. (laughs) (laughs) But since it is the holiday season, we're going to incorporate a couple of festive segments in here. So, Miranda, can you tell me about any favorite book or bookish gifts that you've ever received? Yes. So, I have a couple, but I think the one that stands out the most, and I have talked about it to, like, anybody that will listen since it happened. I think I was about eight or nine. No, I would have been a little bit older than that. Either way, it doesn't matter. My uncle used to be the cool uncle that showed up with the best gifts. And there was one year that he got me not one, but two amazing book gifts in the same year. Um, He's a smart shopper, though, so I don't think he spent like a ton of money. But one of them was the complete paperback collection in one of those book boxes, you know, where it all comes together. Yeah. Of the Chronicles of Narnia. I love that series so much. I'm even one of the weird people that loves the f- book number one, The Magician's Nephew, which most people don't like and get very confused by. Oh, I It love serves that. a purpose. It yeah. serves a purpose. I love that book. Um, but not only did he get me that, but like I said, the same year, he got me a hardback edition of the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, nice. Who is one of my favorite writers of all time. Again, a lot of people are like, I don't understand him. You have to read between the lines. It's like how you feel. What do you think it means? It's like when you read a poem. What do you think it means? It doesn't matter what Sandra thinks it means. What do you think it means? (laughs) Unless your name is Sandra, and then yes, Sandra, it matters what you think. (laughs) Just saying to Miranda. Anyway, going to alienate all the Sandras out there. Sorry. (laughs) So those, um, those two things, and I guess, one of the other things bookish related, because I do, obviously, when you're a book lover um, and readers as much as you and I are, um, and probably those that listen to us, you probably have a lot of gifts throughout your life that are book related. Like I, obviously, we've talked about this time and time again, Alice in Wonderland is one of my all time absolute favorites. So I get given a lot of Alice things, obviously, throughout my life. Um, I've collected a lot of Alice things. Or, like, people give me bookmarks and stickers and just other books. So, those are great. Oh, I know, though, one of my, I was like, I know there's more. So, yes, um, I have a friend 
that was so excited about me reading a book that I hadn't read yet that ordered me a signed copy of Verity. A signed copy of Verity. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who that woman was. But I wonder no, who it could be. Yes. Um, so there was actually a funny story with that one. So Bianca, as a gift, ordered me Verity because she wanted me to read it so bad. I don't even think it was holiday. No, I, I just ordered it for you. I remember and this. Because <laughs> you, you were like, you need to read it. And I was like, I will. I will. I just I, I just keep forgetting and I'm busy. And, and I, you were like, nope, you have to read it. And I was like, okay. And then what what happened is um, we had a bunch of packages come for some reason. And they had been laid up. I had a reading chair in my house in um, the States before we moved to Europe. And all of the packages got laid on the reading chair because it was like right when you come in the front door almost. And it fell off to the back. And you never said anything. You never asked me like, oh, did you get a package or did your package arrive? I don't know. I think it laid back there. I'm assuming based on the stamp on it, like the, the postmark, I think it like had fallen off and laid back there for like two weeks. Oh goodness. I didn't know. And you didn't say anything. So then I finally get it. And I'm like, look what I found randomly behind the chair. Somebody knocked it off. And you're like, yay, it made it. And I was like, <laughs> so that was pretty awesome because it wasn't. Maybe I just thought it took that long. <laughs> I guess. But I thought it was very, that was also to me a very special gift because um, that was pretty early on in our friendship. Number one. Um, and number two, it wasn't a holiday or anything. It was, and you got me a signed copy. Like, so that, that's a pretty special book. It shows how much I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, boys and girls in there in Podland, she didn't even, she got aggressive. And not only did she get aggressive, she didn't say shows how much I love you. She said, shows how much I love that book. Like she was about to murder me. I'm over here giving her praise and she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. Ooh, that's two times I've made Bianca cry in her life. <laughs> okay, I made you snort earlier, so we're even. Oh yes, during my um, Bianca popped on. I was doing a live stream with my friend Andy. We were watching um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And she popped in chat, which you can do when you watch movies on the stream lounge. And she said something that I could not control myself. And I was like snort laughing. I'm hilarious. It was funny. It was... <laughs> so go check that out if you want to see what we're talking about. Um, but yes, those are probably my favorite bookish gifts. And to anyone that's listening, that's like, because apparently I learned that my mom Found my podcast and has been listening. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. She's like, where are your podcasts at? And then, like, I didn't respond for, like, a day because I thought if I let it go, it would just be like, mm, you know? <laughs> and then she was like, never mind, I found them. I don't care if you talk about me. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I have said some things. <laughs> Nothing I regret or wouldn't say to your face, but. But they're still out there. <laughs> they're still out there. So sorry, Mom. I know you've bought me a lot of bookish gifts throughout the year, and you've made me the wonderful reader that I am. But those three are—they stick pretty hard for me. 
Well, I can say that my favorite bookish gift is actually one that you gave me, and it might seem small and inconsequential, but reader's thumb is a thing, okay? If you're sitting here trying to hold up a book, and depending on what kind of book, books can be heavy, and I like hardcover, so they tend to be very heavy. We don't don't like the floppy floppies. No, I like the hardcovers. I'm bougie. Um, Miranda got me this thing that goes on your thumb and it holds the book open and it Mm -hmm. stays open. Mm -hmm. It is the best invention. I don't know why I didn't invent this, but I got it. I think it was for my birthday. I want to say you got it for me for my birthday one year. I think it was your birthday. I've used it every day ever since almost. Because it was, it was a year that I was struggling to to figure out what to get you, which is, it sounds weird to say to like one of your best friends, but like I was struggling because, um, I know most people are going to be screaming at me right now going, buy her a book, buy her a book. But that was actually one of the things that for those of us that are close to you, you were pretty adamant about. You're like, look, I appreciate when you guys buy me books, but I'm running out of space. And so I am putting more intention into ones that I actually purchase and that will be going on my shelf. Yes. Um, so I was like, crap, because I was going to buy you a book. And then on top of that, there was a book I was going to buy you that in a random conversation, casually, you said, oh, I don't like that series. And I went, crap. <laughs> so I had to like rethink. And I think I picked out like, I don't you know. Got me, you got me several small things, cheesy. which I really appreciated. Yeah. I think it was like cheesy stuff. I, I think I got you like some bookmarks and then I got you that thumb book thing. And I think I, a tote bag. I don't know. But I was like, what, I, I honestly, this is going to sound bad, but I, I think I went on Amazon and was like, gifts for readers, and just like, <laughs> rolled, because I was like, she doesn't want that book series, and she doesn't want physical books right now, what do you get? Oh, and I think it's because the year before, um, I had bought you stuff that you like, wanted, and all of it came broken, and I was yes. so disappointed. Freaking yeah. Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Emperor Bezos, stop it. <laughs> stop it, Emperor Bezos. But yes, yeah, so I highly recommend the thumb thingy. I don't even know what it's called. I'll just call it the thumb thingy. I'm sure you can I just, don't either. I don't You can don't probably know. look up book thumb holder, book holder, book something holder. or other. Yeah. I don't know. If you look up book holder, you might get one of those like book holder stands, but like look like thumb holder. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I apologize if your Google is not set to safe and you get bad things. Yeah, but it's not on us. That ain't on me. I gave you your warning um, <laughs> but with gifting and it being Christmas um, Bianca and I do celebrate Christmas um, some of you might celebrate another holiday um, so tell us something that you got maybe for Hanukkah or Kwanzaa um, that you loved but we celebrate Christmas so we are going to mention some of our favorite Christmas stories or just seasonal. I don't know if yours are just like winter seasonal stories. Um, I, we haven't told each other what we picked, but we're going to talk about some of our favorite like childhood stories for this time of year. So you, you can go ahead and go because mine will go roll into adaptation minute. Okay. So one of them, you guys are all going to laugh at me, but Bianca and I spent a good five minutes before we started this episode because I can't remember the name of this book it happens i can see the cover of it i can see the illustrations and i know it was about toys at christmas 
Um, and it was in like this Victorian bedroom with like Victorian dolls and little stuffed teddy bears. And they go and they have this party in the woods. And I had the hardcover. Uh, like I was telling Bianca, I had the hardcover edition where like there was like an embossed logo on the front. So it didn't even say anything. It just had like this embossed logo. And you opened it up and it was coded in like what would have been either the wallpaper from the children's playroom or the wrapping paper. I'm not sure which. Um, but I still have this book in storage in the U.S. My grandmother had it at her house still. She found it, I think, four or five years ago, found it and was like, hey, I found some books of yours. Do you want these? And I found that book and I was just like, I remembered all of it. But for some reason, I can't remember the name or the author. I just remember it sounded like that lady that shows up at Barnes. It had a blue cover. <laughs> but <laughs> Bianca's like, ugh. <laughs> Because it did. It had a blue cover. Um, and the spine was like red maroon. And the the art was just phenomenal. I loved it. I just realized my mic was muted. I apologize. No, it's okay. I was sitting here going, oh. I've been talking this whole time. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's okay. So, yeah, I loved it. But you know what I mean when I said I sound like the lady at Barnes? Because there's always that person that shows up and it's like, it had a blue cover. And so, my very first day working at the bookstore, I had someone walk up to me. Very first day, I'm still learning everything in the store. They're like, I'm looking for this book. I had a squirrel on the cover. And I was like, okay, title, author. No, I just had a squirrel on the cover. And oh. I'm actually usually really good at those. But I have Google that helps me. I was like, well, do you know, like, if it was a humor book? Was it fiction? They were like, oh, I think it was a humor book. So I took them over to the humor section, and they found it. And it was, oh, it was one by David something or other. He publishes a lot of humor books. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, what's funny is the, the library and enterprise once did a whole selection of um, the joke is the whole meme of it had a blue cover. Yeah. And they did a whole display of once of, um, I can't remember, but the cover was blue. And they put like all these books for the month up for people to check out that just had a blue cover of like, yeah. and they were like all different genres. I thought that was pretty hysterical, but that's what I sound like right now. If anyone knows what this book is, like I said, it was from, it's from like the eighties okay, as a hardback. So is it the Christmas doll by Linda Doty? I don't think so. I did a bunch of Googling before. Um, and I, I don't know the Christmas doll. Linda Doty. I don't see a publication date, but it looks kind of older, so. No. No, okay. Just kidding. Dang it. I was hoping for a breakthrough. No, that would be pretty awesome if you found it. No, this is. It is, it is, the book, the story itself is a little long, but I, like I said, I remember they're having, like, this whole, like, party, like, after everybody has gone to bed in the woods to celebrate Christmas, and there's, like, fairies and all of the dolls, and I don't know, I really loved it, um, can't remember what it was, but if you, people That's know, it, I mean, part. yeah, if I had access to all of my things in storage in the States, I could tell you, um, but, yeah, it was fantastic. The other book 
that I will mention is the Velveteen Rabbit. Ah. I didn't know that uh, was uh, holiday themed. Um, I think it's up for discussion, probably. Uh, maybe I'll just make assumptions because I know nothing about it. But it seems you to don't be more like an Easter rabbit? No, I don't. Um, it's basically the whole message is the Velveteen Rabbit could not have enjoyed the beauty of being real had he not been broken open by basically vulnerability kind of that's like the parable of it it is kind of a sad story and maybe people associate it with easter but i don't know why it was always we always read it around christmas okay um so i associate it with christmas um i'm trying to see if there's anything that actually calls it a christmas book i don't think so and i think it was turned it's been turned into various different like screen adaptations of some point um yeah but i i always thought it was to me it's christmasy because that's when we would that's when you would read read it Yeah. yeah Um, and there's a bunch of different adaptations of it as well. It's um, There's one that's like a picture book from, I think, like the early aughts. And it's just very beautiful. Um, so that's, and then I absolutely have to say honorable mention without question goes to Polar Express. So the Polar Express was actually going to be one of mine. Oh, yay. Because, well. It came out when I was still relatively young. Mm-hmm. So sorry to date you a little bit. But I had no idea that it was a book until I started working at the bookstore. Um actually and we might want you might want to double check the publication date on that again. Why? Let's see. Original for the film. Oh, the fi- you're saying the film came out when you were little. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the book. I was like, no, honey, that came out when I was born. <laughs> it came out in 1985. No. Um, the the movie came out when I was still relatively young. Yes. Now, the book, and, however, came out when I was born. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, that's why I was going to roll mine into Adaptation in a Minute, because I didn't oh. even know it was a book until I started working at oh, the bookstore. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is a book. And I read it, and I was like, this is adorable. <clears throat> it is. So that was actually one of mine. I'm glad we tied that up. Yeah. Well, tell me about your others, and then we can briefly talk about the um, comparison and contrast of the movie for Adaptation Minute. Um, well, my other one is uh, Christmas Carol. Okay. Yep. Um, by Classic. Yeah. But my, I say that because I was a odd child. I think we can all establish that now. <laughs> I was too. It's okay. But my one of my absolute favorite movies, it doesn't even matter that it was a Christmas movie, was Christmas Carol, but specifically the one with Patrick Stewart. Okay, I'll give you that one. It was both, uh, it was like a Christmas thriller horror movie to me as a kid. Okay. Because the third ghost, it always, cre- it creeps me out to this day. <clears throat> 
But yeah, okay. I've always loved the story of A Christmas Carol. It has a good moral meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. Basically, don't be selfish. Spread right. holiday cheer, stuff like that. There's a new adaptation version of that coming out this year with Will Ferrell and um, Ryan Reynolds on yes, Apple Yes, it's supposed TV. to be a musical, too, I do believe. Yes. I'm excited for that one. It's like a play on the Christmas Carol. It's not it's not like, oh, he's already bad. It's like he's going bad or he has the potential. So they're trying to save him from becoming a Marley. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Christmas Carol rude. is by uh, Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. For those who may not know, I'm typing it out now. <laughs> I, um, my favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol is actually um, the Muppets version. I've never seen the Muppets version. <laughs> Andy and I did it last year on Stream Lounge. It is available on Disney Plus. It is one of my favorite adaptations. And apparently, uh, I was reading an article the other day that said that it's most people's favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Interesting. Um, it's very good. I really liked it. It's also basically a musical because it's the Muppets, um, but it's my favorite. I have also seen A Christmas Carol like live on stage, like um, at T-Pack um, several times. Yeah. Very well done. I enjoyed that as well, but I enjoy like plays and Broadway kind of things. So I would love to see that done live action. So it was not it live was, action like in person. Right. It was phenomenal. So, yeah, that's an excellent um, choice for a book and it's it's been done so many different times that there's like versions for kids and like the full story that dickens actually wrote like which is actually longer than people realize As, well it's it's a full adult novel it's just it's yes. been turned like it's been shortened for children to mm-hmm. consume right it's in so many different forms and so many different movie adaptations of it as well yeah but with that i was kind of talking about turning things into movies um, I do remember when the Polar Express was turned into a movie. And at first I was thinking to myself, because if you remember the book, it's uh, huge chunks are just, it's just a picture book. Yeah, it's, it's a picture book. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I was like, how are they going to do this? Like, how are they even going to make this possible? Um, but they did it phenomenally. And I loved every minute of it. Even the additionals, it's like not part of the actual book. But with all of that being said, what have you recently acquired or or recently read slash reading? So I have four here beside me that are three newly acquired, I think. I may have mentioned two of these before, but they're still on my TBR list, which means I'm going to talk about them again because I haven't got to them yet. Um, so I just or what I'm finishing at the moment, which will make me at book 89, is going to be the third book in a series. And my phone is now not pulling up the book. Yay. Um, It is called Slashing Through the Snow by Jacqueline Frost, which I am almost certain is a uh, pen name. I mean, I would hope so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's possible there are people, you know, last name are Frost. So, I mean, but um, for the three books in this series, they're all cozy mysteries um, that take place for the family owns like a Christmas tree farm slash bed and breakfast. Um, And sadly, um, murder happens in each one of them because it's a cozy mystery. So that's what happens. Right. Um, 
so this is number three. And this uh, critic comes and thinks that the town is just sounds too perfect because they have like cupcake places and it's just like the magical like hallmark town basically right yeah it's not without its problems but like she thinks it's like all these articles that have come out like praising the different businesses and stuff it's just too perfect and she's decided that she's gonna come and prove everybody wrong and she's murdered by someone um so that's like the murder that takes place off the page and then they just find the body um per most cozies and it's it, again it's an easy read most cozies are um not as predictable that's you know usually i can tell you like who done it i didn't see that one coming um so they figured up they've so i'm at the part of the book where they figured out the who done it but then you know there's always like a little bit left to like tie the ends up tie up loose ends yeah so i will finish that one Probably not tonight because it's late, but I will definitely finish that one tomorrow. And then we went to um, Austria last week. And on our way home, see, on the way there, because we, we took the train, I told Jerry, crap, I meant to bring my book. I didn't just want to, like, play my game on my phone or whatever the whole time. I meant to bring my book, and I had forgotten. So I picked up on the way home at the train station there a new book that I'm only about a fourth of the way in. Oh, and it's floppy. It's like my, it's my favorite bee. <laughs> it's all like floppy. Um, I'd never heard of this book, but it's called The Witches of Moonshine Manor by Bianca Marias. By Bianca? Yeah, Bianca. Bianca Marias. You um, say that, The Witches of Moonshine Manor? Yes. Is that, okay. And her last name is M-A-R-A-I-S. Marias? Right. I don't know. I apologize, Bianca. I was typing it for our show notes. That's why I asked. Yes, I know. Um, so it's a coven of modern day witches, uh, a magical heist gone wrong and a looming threat, it says. Um, and what I like is she has a description at the very front of the book before you start it of like what she thinks each witch like in the sisterhood. So they all live together in this house. They're a sisterhood of witches. And basically, they're all older. So, like, that's what I liked, too, is that they're older witches. And they've now come into, like, I guess some trouble. One of them's been gone for quite some time because of a falling out that they had. Um, but the there's an angry mob that basically threatens to demolish the manor. And they're behind on, like, their mortgage payments and stuff like that. But I, I was list, I was reading the, I read the synopsis on the back and was like, oh, cool. And then I like kind of opened the front and saw the description of the witches. And this is what made me want to read it. So uh, the one witch, um, it, it made me love this so much. Her name is Ivy. It says, botanist witch, tall gray hair, plaited and coiled into a bun, green eyes, wire rim spectacles, covered in tattoos, inquisitive. Official owner of the manor, but keeps track of everyone. And I was like, it's me as a witch. <laughs> it's like me. It's me. Except for I have blue eyes and I'm not gray hair yet. But my hair is most oftenly just on top of my head in a bun. I am slowly becoming covered in tattoos. And I do keep track of everyone. You guys have to admit that. That's part of my friend ability. I'm the mom. Of <laughs> so I was like, I must read this. 
I, like I said, I'm a fourth of the way in and I would already recommend this book. It's pretty funny. I laughed out loud literally three times in the second chapter. I love books like that though. Yes. Like I was like on the train trying to read this, like laughing. People were looking at me like I was crazy. That's, <laughs> that's okay. So I love this book. I'd never heard of this book. I'd never heard of this author. Yeah, I've never heard either of them. I just like, pulled up her author profile on Goodreads, though. Yeah. She looks a lot like Elizabeth What's-Her-Name from Twilight and uh, Oh, the mom, the one Hill that plays House. the mom. She plays yeah. the mom. Esme. She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't hurt that it's my, we've talked about this like almost every episode since Bianca found the TikTok for me to prove like that my books are life. Um, but it's also that floppy that I love, love, love. <laughs> I can hear you flopping it. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like flopping it around. Um, so you already talked about this book. I'll just say I'm like halfway through it. This is my third time picking it up, trying to read it. And I will finish it because, you know, I've only ever DNF'd one book in my life. Yeah. And that's Library of the Dead that I'm trying to finish. <laughs> for me, what I will say, because you like spoke your piece on it, I think for me, one of the problems I have is the speech. Yes, the the speech is very odd because it's a mix of African and Irish. Yes, and I don't have a problem with that. So don't come at me, folks. What I have a problem with is that... Um, even though I have heavy Irish ancestorage, I don't have any African. And the, basically the author, which while I can applaud him for this, I think it's fantastic. It's also one of the things that's making it hard for me. And that is he writes the characters' lines as they would say them. Like, yes. correctly. And I'm struggling with that. But the overall concept of the book, I like. I don't understand the library thing, though. That's what it's called the Library of the Dead, but you don't spend a lot of time at the Library of the Dead. No, the only thing I could think about, and you finished it, so you can maybe agree or disagree with me here. The only thing I can think about is maybe like because she does keep such detailed notes on like who she helps and what she does, right? Because I remember them talking about that. Like she writes down like the money owed, the money exchange. Like she's. Isn't I correct about that? Or am I yes. just making... Okay. No, no, you're so good. So the only thing I can think of is that, like, the phrase, the library of the dead, is her cataloging in some fashion, because that's a library is basically a catalog of books, right? So maybe it's just her, like, cataloging all of the, the um, ghosts and spirits that she's assisting, and that's why it's the library of the dead. Like, she's keeping... I mean, I could see that, but there is a thing called the Library of the Dead that she goes to, so... Oh, Wait, okay. have you gotten to that part of the book? <laughs> no, it's fine. It doesn't It doesn't ruin anything, but even with that... Okay, so even you've completed it, and you know that, and you're still saying that the title doesn't make sense. No, so it I should think, not be called the Library of the Dead. I think that's what it is. I think that it needs a different title, because right now it's not adding up. Um, and the thing, like I said, that I'm struggling with, and I'm, it's causing me to have to put it down um, and try again. Like, not, I'm not starting all over. Like, I've got a bookmark in it. I know where I'm at. I remember what's happened. 
but like it's the vernacular and when they're speaking to each other. Yeah. Um, like when she's talking to her grandmother or she's talking to her friend or whatever, or she's just speaking to people in general because she literally, when you read a sentence from the character, it's exactly how it would come out of their mouth. And yeah. so I have to like, sometimes I have to read it out loud because if I hear it, then I'm like, oh, okay. But I don't know why my brain isn't computing it very well when I just visually read it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I will finish it. That is one of mine. The other two, I really do think I have mentioned before, but just in case they're up next on my, like, literally, I don't care what happens. They're the next two that I will be reading. This one is The Mad Women's Ball by Victoria Moss, M-A-S. Mass? I don't know. Um... It happens in 1885. It's a fairly thin book, um, but it just really gathered my attention. It's only like 210 pages. Um, yeah, it's uh, in 1885, all of Paris is in thrall of a doctor who and his displays of hypnotism on women who have been deemed mad or hysterical. But the truth is more complicated. These women are often inconvenient, unwanted wives or strong-willed daughters. Once a year, a grand event is held, the Mad Women's Ball. For the Parisian elite, it is the highlight of social season. For the women themselves, it is a rare moment of hope. Genevieve is a senior nurse who has placed her faith in the doctor and his new science. But everything changes when she meets Eugenia, the daughter of a bourgeois family. For Eugenia has a secret and needs Genevieve's help. Their fates will collide at the night of the Mad Woman's Ball. So, um, women used to be thrown in asylums for doing things like reading, being misunderstood, having what they called hysteria. So, it sounds like from the synopsis, and this has grabbed my attention, is it's like the hysterical mad women, and they have a ball once a year that allows them to be normal, where, like, the ultra-rich, like looky Lou's want to see what's going on inside. And that, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I haven't read it. But that's what I got from that synopsis. So I was like, I'm in. And it says on the back of the book, which I appreciate they did this, because I hate when something gets turned into an adaptation and then they put that sticker on the front or they change the cover. So on the back, at the top, it says, now an Amazon Prime film starring Melanie Laurent. And... It was deemed a darkly delightful gothic treasure by Paula Hawkins. And that woman knows darkly delightful. So I was like, sold for 13.99 euros. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one I got just because it seemed witty and kind of fun and charming. And the, one of the descriptions was laugh out loud funny. It's called The Diary of a Bookseller by Sean Bithel. I can spell that for you if you'd like. Spell Sean and Bithel for me. Sean, you know, Sean is S A. Yeah, it's S H A U N. So it is the different spelling. Okay. Um, and Bithel is B Y T H E L L. Okay. So what I love about this, I flipped through it, but it says meet Sean Bithel. Uh, so it's I think it's also about her. I'm not certain. Um, bookshop owner, bibliophile, and misanthrope extraordinaire. He lives and works. Oh, excuse me, him. I apologize. He lives and works in bookshop Wigtown, whose crooked shelves contain anything from 16th century Bibles to a first edition Act of Christie. Can't talk. 
Um, so book lovers paradise, right? Well, almost. In Sean's honest and wryly hilarious diaries, he reveals his highs and lows of life and book trade as he contends with eccentric customers, bin forging employees, and perennial empty till. Along the way, he'll take you on buying trips to an old estates and auction houses, recommended lost classics, and introduce you to the thrill of unexpected finds. But what I loved is it literally is written like a diary. Like you go in and it'll say Friday, 30th May, online orders three, books found three. Uneventful day, spent most of my time reading. Till total, 114 pounds, 98 cents, 12 customers. So I so just like looked that, up Sean Bithel. I Googled him real quick. And he has yeah. several books and they're all about him running his bookstore. Well, I was sold when I opened this up and it looks like like there's even like like an article for or maybe like a newsletter he sent out from the bookshop. I don't know. The the layout was so intriguing to me that I was like, I am here for this. So it may be um fictional realism or no, it, it sounds like real, real. No, it's real. That's how all of his books are according to Google. Well, I didn't know if his diary entries that I'm about to read are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exaggerated, like oh, okay, turned I got into you. like making it more interesting, or if this is like truly he decided to start keeping a diary and then he published it into a book. Either way, I was highly intrigued and I skimmed through like a couple of the days because it didn't seem like it mattered if you skipped ahead, um, and it was just kind of funny. So. I plan to read this next. You have to let me know about that because that sounds interesting. Yeah, it, it was just, it was just really funny. Um, like this one says, er, um, Thursday, 24 April, an elderly customer told me that her book club's next book was Dracula, but she couldn't remember what he'd written. <laughs> and as I have worked in a library, you do currently work in an academic library and you've worked in a bookstore. I worked in a comic bookstore. That's hysterical for so many reasons. My favorite interaction, um, my friend Kelly, what I think Kelly had the initial interaction and I was just there that day. Um, Kelly had someone come up to her and said, do you have anything by Jane Eyre? <laughs> she was like, um, Jane Eyre is a book by one of the Bronte sisters. They were like, no, no, no Jane Eyre is the author. Oh, we were like, was, we were no, no, it was a mom. Oh, do you think it was a mom that had never read it and her daughter had to do something for Jane Eyre for school? That's what I'm guessing. That's but so we funny. were all like, okay, no, here's how it goes. <laughs> do you mean Jane Austen? She was like, no, it's Jane Eyre. We were like, okay, well, Jane Eyre's this, it's a character. <laughs> it was a whole thing. That's okay. We had a woman once that, uh, I, I, nobody's going to believe me. Um, she wanted Batman comics written by Detective Batman. And I was like, that's not. No, Detective, Detective Batman. Batman. That's a great band name. It, well, it's actually a comic book series. Detective Batman. But she, who told her it was written by Detective? Who told her? Like, what young man <laughs> sent his mom to the comic book shop to buy books written by Detective Batman? Because that's kind of funny. <laughs> Well, okay, some of my recent reads and acquisitions. Yes. Um, like I said, I'm currently reading two books right now. So proud of you. 
it, that never happens, folks. This is a very rare, like never ever, lifetime opportunity here. So the first one I'm reading is called The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. Um, if there are any fellow Christians listening to this, it is a Christian nonfiction book. Um, it basically goes over spiritual warfare in the in the Christian sense. Um, my father-in-law wanted me to read it, so I'm reading it so that we can discuss it while we're home for Christmas. So you're welcome, Keith Jimerson. I love that he shared it with you so that you guys could, could discuss it. I think that is so fantastic. Like, oh, well, I really he knows do. he knows I'm a big reader, and he. I don't know if he knows what I read, mm-hmm. but as he's gotten deeper in his faith, he wants to discuss that with me through literature. Like he's gotten me a couple of books throughout the years. But I think so, that's so sweet because it he's, is very he's sweet. Something that you love, and he's like taking something that he is very um, like passionate about, and he's merging them together so that you can have like a very good conversation with each other. And I think that's fantastic. Yes. Um, he's gotten me another one. I forget what the title of it is, but it's about this detective who um, used to be. Um, what's the what's the word when you don't believe in a God? When you don't believe in anything? When you're like atheist. atheist? He was an atheist. Yeah. yeah. Um, the detective was an atheist. And the more he worked on cases, the more it led him to believe in God. So that was also. I think I've heard of that one. I, I That sounds familiar. Yeah. When we get done, I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah, so this was The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. Um, The tagline is what every believer needs to know about Satan, demons, and spiritual warfare. And then the other one I'm reading, like I said, completely different. It is The Wonder by Emma Donahue. Um, For those who don't know, Emma Donahue also wrote The Room, which was turned into a movie that Mm -hmm. was wildly popular. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say I'm struggling just a little bit with this book. Okay. Um, The premise is that there is a child who is existing without eating. Um, It takes place in the late 1800s over in... It's in Ireland, but the nurse that comes over to, like, make sure she basically doesn't die. She's English. Mm Okay. Okay. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know, the Irish are, like, not to stereotype, but the Irish are deeply Catholic. And that's Most, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, So this very English proper nurse is kind of thrust into a very Catholic setting. And there's a lot of religious talk throughout the book, which is fine. But the whole book is just the nurse basically coming to terms with people being different from her. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just a very slow plot. We'll see how it goes. Because I like the premise. There's this Mm -hmm. mystery of how can this girl survive without eating or drinking anything. Yeah. I don't know how one would. Yeah. So, But it's just the nurse is watching the girl making sure. Trying to figure out if she's conning everybody. And seeing how long she can go without eating. I think we're on like day five right now. I'm on page 173. And this one is also set up like Practical Magic. The chapters are so long. Oh. So long. Like, I think there's only five chapters in this almost 400-page book. Hold on. How many pages are there? Flip, flip, flip. Oh, just kidding. It's 300 pages. But I think there's only four or five chapters. Yeah, but still, four or five chapters and 300 pages, that's... 
Yeah, there's five chapters. Yeah, that makes it hard to read like you and I do, where sometimes you, um, like, read a chapter and then, like, lay the phone down. Yes, but uh, a lot of the book is from the perspective of the nurse. Her name is Lib. Um, A lot of it is just her internal monologue of, one, coming to terms of not living in England right now and being in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. She's never been to Ireland before. Um, And these people are kind of destitute. They are very deeply religious. Yeah. Um, They have their, I don't know if you know a lot about Catholicism, but Catholicism is very... Jerry's family is actually Catholic. Okay. Well, they have like rituals and stuff that they do. They do. And she doesn't understand any of that. So it's a lot of her coming to terms with people that are different from her in that aspect. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of a struggle read. But like I said, I like the premise, so I'm going to finish. Yeah. That's like uh, my mother coming to terms that my religion is not different than her. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. She still loves me. <laughs> <laughs> um, another book that I checked out from the library is The Silent Patient by Alex Mickey Michaelides. You would know the cover of the book if you looked at it. it is yeah, I actually, popular. it's on my to read list. Yeah, I finally actually got it through Interlibrary Loan, but it's not due till February, so I'll just read it over my Christmas break. Mm-hmm. But I'm super excited about that. And then heard good things about that one. I picked up, I went to Barnes and Noble for Black Friday because they had awesome deals going on. I and, avoided the website <laughs> like plague on purpose. Um, I picked up a few cute Christmas reads because it is that time of year and I need my comfort Christmas reads in my life. Mm-hmm. So I got The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. I got Christmas at the Cupcake Cafe by Jenny Colgan. Snowed in for Christmas by Sarah Morgan. And Talk Santa to Me by Linda Urban. Okay, that I need to know everything about that book. (laughs) So Talk Santa to Me. I actually found this one in the YA section, I think. Yeah, this one's the YA one. Um, Frankincense, Call Her Frankie was born in a stable, an indoor-outdoor stable from her family's holiday shop in Santa School, which is also oh God, where she spent most of her Christmas-loving life. Um, basically, she's just working for the family business, and then this guy named Hector Ramirez, who works at the tree lot next door, is really cute, and she can't stop thinking about him. This is everything Miranda, like... I'm so in. I found already. it in the Y section, and I was like, "Oh yes!" I was super. I excited. have, I have a really big thing at Christmas time. I've read several others. I didn't mention them today because we are gonna, we're overloading you guys with books. But <laughs> I love doing this thing, like I did for. So we read like spooky. We did spooky season, not just like October, but I think we started in like September, and we did like spooky. Yeah, we did. Um, and I kept that up, guys. But finally, about. Mid-November, I think it was. It was getting cold here, right? And I wanted my tree, and I and I put my tree up. I don't care. Say what you want to say. I live in Europe. They don't have Thanksgiving here, okay? It's not, not our Thanksgiving. Like, why would they have that? Yeah. And, like, all the stores already had Christmas and stuff out. And, like, my American friends were giving me crap. And I was like, I don't care. It's not a thing here. So, like, they've jumped to Christmas already because that's... <laughs> That's what's next. So I put my tree up and I was like, okay, I think I'm officially ready to start the Christmas reads. 
So it has one after another been something Christmas related. And the other day when I bought the book at the train station that was witches, because, you know, I love love my witches. I was like, but this doesn't meet my criteria for my reads. <laughs> like I was str- I was struggling with it. Struggling. <laughs> but yeah. But I, you I'm didn't get it? Nope. I bought it. Remember? I bought it. Oh, okay. I, started, I read it on the train. I started reading it on the train. But I think I'm, I might like slow down on that one and then finish all my Christmas reads that I want to read and then come back to that one. Like that's probably going to be uh, my first. Like I've started it. I know I like it. I know I'm going to keep going. But like I think, I think I'm going to back off and do all the rest of my Christmas reads. Yeah. So after I finish these two, I'm probably going to start my Christmas ones and then I'll read The Silent Patient most likely. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm doing that whole thing where um, I'm trying to stick to a theme. And I know that sounds, like, super weird, but hey, I'm enjoying you. it. I am doing Yeah, I am doing I am doing me. And I'm doing it a lot with cozy mysteries. So I will say, if you're a person that likes, I don't know, any genre. Because I know there's a lot of romance as well that are, like, straight-up Christmas romance, right? So, like, it is so easy if you go Google or even on Goodreads and just say... Uh, like cozy Christmas mysteries or romance Christmas, like the things you find, like the lists, the blog list too. Um, there's so much out there if you want to be on the full on Christmassy spirit. Yes. And both Miranda and I deeply encourage that. I do. I don't know. I think it adds something special to the season, whatever season it is, whether it's spooky season or Christmas or like, there's actually a lot of new books set around New Year's as well. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just something fun. Well, Miranda, so. we can start mm-hmm. to wrap this up now. Yeah. Uh, as for me, if you want to follow me on any social media to the people listening, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, find me on Goodreads. Yes. You can, you can see what I'm reading, what I have read. Follow along on my challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm at Style and Freak. And also on TikTok. If you want to start sending me book talk videos, I would very much appreciate it. I am at Bianca Jimerson on there, I do believe. I believe that is correct. I think we looked up last time because we were both like, are you? Are yeah. you? Um, but where can we find you, Miranda? So obviously you can find me um, on Facebook in the place to be group. We have a group that is for anyone that listens to any of the podcasts on our family of feeds. Um, It's members, podcasters, all all of those above. Everyone is welcome. You don't have to be a podcast host on place to be to be in the group. Um, There, I, there's something for everyone there. Um, The place to be nation website as well. Place to be nation.com. It's where you can actually find, it's the landing page, the homepage to all of the podcasts that are done, as well as multiple articles. Um, I'm the editor-in-chief over there, so please check out our articles that we have. Um, we have people that write uh, reviews for different uh, Disney movies. We're hoping to have some book reviews up soon as well, um, and just more stuff coming, so please check that out. You can find me personally if you're interested in this mug of mine, which I don't feature a lot, to be honest, <laughs> on my social media. It's a lot of my kids' face and uh, travel things, books, 
stuff. Um, but I am on both Instagram and TikTok at Moms and Nerd. My handle on Instagram isn't actually at Moms and Nerd, but if you type it in, I'm like the first person that pops up um, with my lovely Moms and Nerd logo that I have. Um, you can find me at both of those places. So the Facebook group, highly encourage. If you like any of the podcasts here on our feed, come join us. Bianca and I are still going back and forth on possible social medias specifically for the pod only because they are a lot of extra work and she does have a full-time job and a husband and I have a job and I homeschool my child and a husband Uh, (laughs) so we're not saying it won't happen but be on the lookout it might happen and if we do we would love you to follow us there of course Our feed would also love for you, even if this is the only pod that you listen to, go rate us on whatever app you listen to, which side note, I'm so going to switch to listening to all my podcasts on uh, Spotify. Sorry, Apple, you done me dirty. What Apple do? Did not provide me with a wrap up at the end of the year of the podcast minutes I (gasps) listen to. How dare them? They have started providing one for Apple Music. Just like the Spotify wrapped for yeah. music. But they did not provide, they, they, they do not have one for podcasting. And guess what? I need those numbers. Hmm. So I think I shall be adding that to what I do over on Spotify. So you can, and you can now rate your podcasts on Spotify as well. So, yep. so for myself, Bianca, and all of Place to Be Nation, we are so thankful you joined us. We hope that you have had a wonderful year a fantastic time with your friends and family. And regardless of what holiday you celebrate this season, stay safe, stay happy, and keep reading.